Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have Gil Income Wesica from the United Baptist Church in Mars Hill, Maine. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, I think I said that pretty good. Yes, you did. <laughs> so you're the associate pastor here. I want to know, how did you get called to Maine? Where are you from? How is this happening? Ooh, long story, but I'm glad to tell that part of the story. I was born and raised in Uganda, a small town known as Jinja. It's actually, fun fact, where the source of the River Nile is. In that small town and uh, I um, joined a ministry of Word of Life I don't know if you have heard of Word of Life it's um, in so many countries all over the world and they um, they were in Uganda and that's where I was serving I met my wife who is born and raised in Maine she was born in Presque Isle Maine uh, we met in Uganda in 2006 and we were friends and uh, we started dating in 2010 we got uh, engaged in 2012 and on the 16th of june 2012 we got married on mars hill mountain wow and that's how i ended up in this beautiful state <laughs> beautiful state in maine amen mm -hmm. it's interesting that um i just had a friend visiting that does mission works in uganda and um, a few years ago, mm. I was praying up on Mars Hill Mountain. It was on an Easter Sunday morning. Oh. And I just really believe that God is pouring out His Spirit. And I believe uh, in Mars Hill, may there's a flame. Mm. Talk mm. to me about that. Mm. Mm. I know totally what you mean. I, I understand. I've seen, since I've been here, I, I, I came in 2012 and went back and then came back 2015. To settle here and I've seen a change in so many areas not just in the uh, not just before I talk about the spiritual aspect of things just in the physical aspect of things yes people come and go churches grow churches close down and we can look at that and say oh what is happening you know you know in this little town of our of ours but when I look at it, when I look at the fact that the sun comes up here first Amen. in this place, you know, there's so many signs we can look at. Yeah. God shines and smiles on this little town. And yes. people come to this town and they're never the same. And I know that God is doing a great work in our little town of Mars Hill. God is doing a great work on that mountain. I know you were there with Dr. Nicholas, right? Yes. Up on that mountain. And yes. when they prepare their breakfasts, there is so much happening here. Evidence of that is the number of people who meet in different places at different times to pray for different things. The organizations that have come to uh, just even start in this place, the churches that are coming together to work together for different things, thinking about all these abortions happening and all that, pregnancy care center um, um, events that are taking place, not just in Presque Isle, but in Mars Hill, the churches that are supporting pregnancy care centers, because everyone has seen the need and they're coming together to pray. We have come as one. Divisions are ending. So, so uh, we're giving up all these denominational divisions and we see the need. And I know that that is God working within the hearts of us here in this town, just so that we can be united and bring glory and honor to his name. That's a big thing. I love being in this place. It's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. It's God ordained for me to be here at this time. 
So yes, God is working in this place. I'm with you. I agree. I see that every single morning when I flames. awake. Yes, yeah. God is working. It's exciting. Tell me a little bit about your family. You have children. Yes, yes, I and do. And there's been some challenges. Yes. Talk to me. Our first Karis was born in Uganda, a beautiful girl. She's now uh, four years, going to 16. <laughs> Our second, Andrew, was, um, he was diagnosed in utero uh, before he was born with a congenital heart defect. Um, uh, it was hypoplastic left heart. Uh, that's what um, he was told. We were told that one half of his heart would not function at all. Um, so we were told that he would need three different operations as a baby. One when he was just born, one when he was three months old, and one when he was three, uh, three years old. So we went down to Boston, as we were told, and uh, we spent six months there. But in those six months, the doctors found out that um, they could not operate on him because it would be risking his life. And so he would need a heart transplant. So we prayed. <laughs> we prayed for an answer. It was, uh, it was a very testing time, I would like to say. Um, you know times when you think you know, you know what patience is. And uh, God takes you through a time of learning what true patience is. That's what it was for us. And um, two months later, a heart was made available. Um, he was listed. And a heart was made available. And uh, he received his heart. Um, but it came with different trials, I would say. We had, um, he, went, he, he went into cardiac arrest two weeks uh, after he was born. And um, they had to stop his own heart from working. And they connected him to a machine that did all the work for him. A circuit that pumped the, the blood for him. And it was really hard. It was hard for us to sit there and watch our little baby boy connected to all these tubes doing all the work for him and we could do nothing but pray. Amen. But but pray. We know that prayer changes things. Oh, prayer changes things and prayer did change things. And right now when you look at Andrew running around and we're chasing him and trying to stop him from eating this and you know, he runs into his sister's little castles that she builds and he's a typical two-year-old. And you can't you can tell. Can tell. Praise God. God is good. At any time, did they ask you if you considered aborting the child? Yes. Um, before he was born, we had an appointment in, um, in Bangor. Um, I can't say which doctor we talked to, but um, one of the doctors that was working with us um, looked us straight in the eye. And she said, I have to give you this as an option. Um, one of the options we have, now that you know the diagnosis of the baby, is termination. Um, it made us sad that she would say that, but we know on the other hand this is something she has to say, or else she might be sued or something. But they did give us that option, and to us that had never been an option. Uh, we were ready to have this baby, be it without limbs, eyes, anything. This was our baby. This was a gift from God. Many people cannot have a baby, and here we were having a baby. We didn't care how this baby would be born. We were excited for him. Amen. Amen. Yes. 
Well, tell me a little bit about how you come to know Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, mm. So, uh, my sister, uh, she's the only sibling I have right now. Uh, my sister led me to the Lord in 1995. But before I came to know the Lord, there were some struggles that I, I went through. I um, My mother and I we were very close. We'd always been very close. My sister was sent to a Catholic boarding school. So it was my mom and, my, and myself at home. And uh, we went through so many struggles. After um, my brother had passed on and my dad had left us. So it was just the two of us against the world. That's how we saw it. None of us knew the Lord. Um, and uh, But as we were... Uh, learning how to live together, you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to school because my mom had no money at the time. Um, many struggles were including the fact that I had to go around and scavenge for food. Um, and uh, we were kicked out of the house where we were staying and we lived in a tent um, for three years. Uh, so we really didn't have much. Um, my mom contemplated selling her blood, like donating it so she could get money so we could get something to eat we'd get shrubs and boil them and eat whatever there was um, it was it was a hard time um but it shaped me so I, I had questions about how could god do that to me how could a loving god do that and my sister shared this with me she said the same questions you have about where was god when you were going through that that's the same place where god was when his son was on that cross and it made so much sense to me that God loved me so much even when I didn't know him or care for him. He loved me so much that he gave me his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and to die for me, a nobody, a wreck. That he died for me so that I would not go to hell, so that I would not go through pain and torment. He took that pain for me. So having understood that, I wanted that. I saw that I was nothing but a sinner in need of a, of a savior. And that's what Jesus did for me. So in 1995, December, I got on my knees and I said, God, I, I don't know what to say and I don't know how to say it. But this is what I want you to know, that I want you to forgive me of my sins. And I want you to save me. I didn't know the right words to say. All I knew was I wanted a savior and Jesus was there. He was saying, I will do it. Ask me and I will. And I asked. And that day, I asked Jesus that day. I know my sins were forgiven. That day, the door to eternity was mine. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so how did you get from 1995 saying yes. that prayer mm -hmm. to being an associate pastor? Oh, good journey. <laughs> so uh, later on, I... Um, I'll tell you just how my story changes. I went to, I came from high school and I was going into college and I wanted to, I wanted to go into law school because I wanted to become a lawyer. Um, not that I, I had a cool story. I wanted to go out and help the needy. No, it was a selfish reason. I wanted to become very rich and uh, make a lot of money. <laughs> that's what lawyers do. That's, that's what I wanted to do. So uh, God helped me get into law school, and I did. I graduated, uh, but a year before I graduated from law school, uh, with my intentions to make the big bucks. Um, my sister, again, 
paid for me to go to this Word of Life camp. Mm -hmm. And so I went to this Word of Life camp and there in 2003, the director of the camp was um, speaking on one of the nights. They call it Dedication Night. And he was sharing the life of a young man. His name is uh, Jim, Jim Elliott. I don't know if you have read about him. He has a very interesting life story. So Jim Elliott was a young man who, together with his friend, there were just um, five young couples. They left the United States and they went to Brazil, the forest of Brazil, to reach out to the Alka Indians. And while there, um, you know, they flew over the forests, dropping some goodies just to tell the natives, hey, we're friends. And so they did that. And one morning they said, I think those guys are ready to hear from us. So they got onto their plane, they left their wives at a camp, and they flew over, landed on the water, and they walked out toward the natives. When the natives saw them, they just shot them down with arrows and killed them. And so he died right there. But later on, his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, and their friend, all the other women, went back and shared the gospel with those same people that killed their husbands. And they came to know the Lord. And that's how the gospel reached that forest and those people. Wow. But Jim Elliot, before he died, people had called him a fool for giving up all of this American dream to go out there. And these were his words before he left the United States. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When I heard those words that night, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I felt like God was telling me something. God was taking my heartstrings. He was tagging them and saying, Gil, this is, this is where I want you to go. You're going the wrong path. I want you to give up this path and follow me. So, again, I decided this is it. I will still graduate, but I won't go into being a lawyer. I want to serve God. So I went back to school, graduated, put my degree down on the table, and I went and I served God with Word of Life and met my wife. And when we moved here in 2015, I, I still wanted to serve, but because of our son's diagnosis, we couldn't go far anymore into missions. So I wanted to know what God had for me, and I decided to serve Him here as best as I could. There was a need and I was available. I said, God, use me here, and he did. That's how I ended up in Hill, Maine, as wow. an associate pastor. And uh, I don't know what God has for my future, but I know that as long as I have breath, I will serve him. I will live for him. Amen. That's my story. That's your story, and you're sticking to it, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that God is pouring out his spirit. I just sense mm. that we are in such a... A time where things of the world are growing dim, but mm. the light is shining brighter. Now, as a pastor, yes. um, tell me what are what you're what you're seeing. What's what's happening in this area? We um, know that we have a, an epidemic of drugs yeah. in Maine, um, sexual mm. assault. We know mm. um, rape, abortion. Mm. I mean, the issues are the issues. Yeah. Um, no matter if you're Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, yeah. um, it's across the board. It is. These are issues. Mm. Talk to me about that. 
I like how you said the light of God is here. First of all, that's true. Um, I always talk to different people and remind us as believers that we are the light. I like that uh, verse in Matthew where we're told that we are the salt and we are the light and we cannot shut out that light. But even where light is, sometimes that darkness tries to penetrate. It will not overcome the light, but will try. And you're right, we have drugs. We have a high school right next to us. We have young people who, they're very susceptible to that. So yes, the epidemic of drugs. Whatever God described as true marriage in his word has been taken away and the world has redefined marriage. So we struggle with that. We are in a state where we're told we cannot counsel young people and tell them one thing over the other because that is not the right thing to do. We cannot do things according to God's word and not expect to be persecuted. We are getting there. This is how I view it. I look back, first of all, at all the great revivals that have happened. Every great revival has come from persecution. The last revival we had here in the 1940s came after the, dep the Depression, right? That's right? Something had to come, something that was so bad, so hard. And right now, I am actually embracing all, all the evil that I see because it's pointing me toward a great revival that's coming. I see that. I see that the church is going to be so hard-pressed, so persecuted, that everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior will cry out to him. And then there will be a great awakening. And it's coming. It is coming. I'm looking forward to it. But first, a persecution has to come. So all these things that we see right now, rather than hold our heads down and walk around depressed, we should rejoice because God is going to do something great. Darkness cannot overcome his church. That's for sure. So you're right. Doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Lutheran, whoever you are. If the Lord Jesus is your savior, then we should unite in praying that God open the doors. God bring revival. That's what we should be praying for. The children who are being killed, those unborn babies who are innocent, they, they don't have a voice. We are that voice. So we should support every cause there is to defend them. Amen. And we should not hold our heads down. God is going to do something. He will stand for those children. He will defend them. He will defend the innocent. So God is going to do something here. We cannot see it with our eyes. He will do it. Amen. I believe that to be I true. I believe it too. Amen. Well, before we end the broadcast in prayer today, mm. is there any other nuggets that you want to give our listeners? Is there something else that you wanted to share that's on your heart? I have a lot, but <laughs> uh, I will say this. I will say this. Um, I, I love what God is doing in this place. When I, when I came here, I found the struggles in the United States are different from the struggles that are in, in Africa. You know, we don't have as much, um, let me talk about abortion because there's so many things I would like to mention, but we don't have as big a fight in Africa to do with abortion as there is in the United States. Here it's, it's free. Here it's easy. Here it's medication that can be taken and everything, all the pain will be taken away. Here it's all these things and it's easily accessible. And I haven't seen that in Africa. But this is what I will say. I have seen people stand. I've seen warriors. 
I've seen warriors stand up holding placards, lining up and saying, we stand for these children because God knew them before they were formed in their womb, in, in their mother's womb. Yeah. I've seen people who are not afraid for someone to throw a rock at them or show them whatever or shout at them or call them whatever name because they're defending them. I've seen people have organizations like Pregnancy Care Center stand and support even those organizations. I've seen churches come together and raise funds. But that's not enough. I, I just want to make a call to anyone who's there, anyone who's listening. God's word in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 tells us, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Men have to see our good deeds, yours, mine, and everyone who's listening. If you are out there, don't stay silent. Speak for the innocent. Pray for them every single moment. But give. Give. Give because there is causes out there that are doing things that we cannot do. So give so that they will be able to stand. Give so that Pregnancy Care Center can be supported. Give so that the Christian Civic League can have a, a voice. Give so that, so that the world does not think we are silent. Pray. Stay on your hands and feet. Keep on your knees and do all that you can. But do not be silent. I cannot say that enough. I just want us to know that we unite as one body and we will be stronger than this world could ever imagine. Amen. 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 That's good word. Well, Thank Pastor you. Gil, it's been a, a privilege to have you on the broadcast. Mine too. <laughs> Give Pastor Gil Income Westica. There we go. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> so would you take a few moments and mm. pray for our listeners today? I will. I will. I will. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for uh, sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on that old ragged cross. Thank you that... You did not keep that part of salvation to one, but to all, all generations and everyone who calls upon your name, Lord, indeed will be saved. So this day, I pray first of all that if there is anyone listening who has never acknowledged you as their Savior, that this will be their moment. Reach out, Lord, reach out to them and convict them. God, reach within their hearts and let that word, your word, your true word grow within their hearts. Let them know that they are in need of a Savior and without you they are indeed doomed. But God, if there is any believer this morning, any, anyone who's listening at this moment, who, who also hasn't walked right, Lord, may they just stop. Take a moment and reflect and just think upon your love, that you're a God of love, you're a God of grace, and your grace extends to all, Lord. Let them take a step back and turn away from their sin, Lord. Cleanse their hearts, Father, as only you can. Thank you for this broadcast. Thank you for just whoever is supporting, so that this can reach many out there, Lord. But God, I also want to reach out to anyone who's sick this morning. Anyone who's tired, anyone who's weak, anyone who's given up hope, Lord. May you be their comfort. May you be their provider. May you be their healer as only you can, Lord. Let them not be shut down, God. Whatever, whatever chains they have, Lord God, we just pray that you break those chains as only you can, God. Only you by your spirit. You can break those chains and give them true freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Help us all to enjoy that freedom, true freedom in you, Lord, so that we will walk in true joy. God, if there is anyone who has experienced pain from the loss of a loved one, from disease, from being bedridden, Lord, you're their hope. You're their hope. You're their peace. You're the only one who can grant that peace that no man can understand, Lord. Help us turn away from anxiety and worry and turn to you, the true God of peace. So we just thank you. Thank you for the time that you've given me, even to just be able to come here this morning. God, I just pray that at all moments, all times in our lives, we will remember to run to you. Run to you. Your arms are open wide. We can run to you. So we just thank you for who you are, for this who've prayed in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Gill, and thank you, listeners, for joining me today. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments. Thank you.